Hello and welcome back to episode 34 of Double Reel. This is the third part of our monthly magazine podcast for the discerning film nerd. Hopefully you've caught up with the first two parts which came out in the past couple of weeks. If not, please do go back to your app, download them and have a listen. Part one is Double Reel Monthly with news, reviews of new releases Babylon and the Pale Blue Eye, my monthly David Cronenberg film which was Rabid, and James's look at two truly terrible Nick Cage films picked at random. Part two is our regular features, including our classics recommended feature Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, our hidden gem Deja Vu, our one that got away concerning Jim McBride's Electra Assassin, and a remake hate watch of the 1993 version of The Three Musketeers. Now in our final part for this month, we give you the big conversation, where we talk about a topic from the film world in more detail. First of all, a warm welcome to my co-host, James Adamson. Thank you very much for that. It's good to be back. So this big conversation topic is one of two we're going to do. Uh, I think in a, in, a, in a couple of months we're going to do the most overrated film directors, but for now I thought what would be quite good would be to discuss who we think the best film directors uh, currently working today are. Um, there are no strict rules for this. We're just going to talk through what we think, what, what our criteria are for the best film directors and what we think of the different people currently working. There'll be a few a few names that we agree on, a few we don't, I'm sure. Um James, the first thing we've dis- we've discussed this a couple of times. How important is the director? You know, because we always talk about the director and the films that they do, but obviously there are other people involved in the making of the films. How important is the director by themselves to how a film turns out? In your view, um, well, obviously they're the one trying to realise the kind of vision of every you know factor involved, whether it's the producers, the writer, um you know, the art direction, they've got to kind of marry all these things together and also work with the actors to kind of make those things come to life, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're very important. And a lot like football managers, if things go wrong, a lot of stuff gets kind of laid at their feet. You know, they're the ones that kind of get criticised for it because they're the ones that are responsible for getting the best performances out of the di- uh, the actors. Sorry. Um, and you know they they're the ones that are in charge of like the shots they're the ones that you know they, they're they responsible for you know when the camera starts rolling and when it doesn't when it stops rolling sorry yeah the buck stops with them doesn't it yeah everything is everything is their fault if it goes wrong and everything is uh everything that is good about a film is you know their responsibility so they get all the plaudits they get all the criticism yeah it, it's interesting the parallel with football because i think there is a there is another slight parallel parallel and that some football clubs have adjusted their structure so that although it's still everyone the director is the one everyone talks about um there are you know there are examples in say in football where they have a you know they have a director of football and they have a structure and the manager just looks after like the first team as it were and in a in a um in a marvel film for example is it how how much does the director play a part compared to say Kevin Feige or the overall arc of of whatever Marvel phase they're in in these big modern blockbusters? Is it the same role for a director? Do you think? I think pre Infinity War and Endgame, I think the depending on the director, you could have a a hit or a miss. Yeah, but I do think now that Kevin Feige just makes whatever Marvel film that he wants to make regardless of whether the fans are interested in it or not like nobody yeah. gave a shit about Ant-Man Quantum Mania is that what it was called or Ant-Man and I can't remember but nobody wanted to see that Ant-Man film but it still got made and, I'm, and I think I'm, that's I'm a lot to do vaguely, with Kevin Feige and I'm only vaguely aware of who directed it actually I'm not even sure who the director is of that film oh um, no idea that, that, I mean that, there are there are small elements to that for example James Gunn 
is sort of credited with how the Guardians of the Galaxy films have their own identity, as it were. Uh, and the Russo brothers sort of took a lot of credit, but as you say, they predate um, you know the end of Endgame and so on. Um, but it's interesting that James Gunn is now in much more of a producer slash executive role over at DC, so maybe even he sees the way the wind's blowing, you know, if you want to be in control. Um, and that kind of goes back to the old days. I mean, it, it kind of it kind of started to change with people like Hitchcock, because prior to Hitchcock, it was always about the producer of the film. The director was just a hired hand, realising the producer's vision, especially big names like Selznick. But then, you know, Hitchcock came along, Orson Welles came along, all of these directors who who sort of start to exert an influence. And we're not we're not in the seventies kind of Hollywood new wave height of like the auteur, but I mean, for us anyway, it's still all about the director, isn't it? Yeah, I think why James Gunn would be at DC is because DC is in such a mess that they would happily throw any money at any decent director to kind of direct their DCEU, whatever they're calling it. Yeah. Because that's such a mess that they want to try and get the best people on board to try and, you know, forget what was there before. Yeah. Because we all know how bad the Justice League was and how Batman vs. Superman was an absolute pile of shit. So I think that's why some directors would be tempted by that because you just go to Marvel and it's like, well, what's the film? Oh, it's uh, Kevin Feige wants you to do Ant-Man and the, Ant-Man and the Wasp. But why? Like, Nobody like, watches that like film. It's like a, like a colouring-in book, isn't it? It's already written yeah. out for you. Yeah, yeah I, so, I, I can see that, yeah. yeah. I, I asked on the socials for opinions on who people they thought were the, the best directors working today. Um, quite a lot of people responded if I named them all and, and included their commentaries as to why it might, might, might take a bit too long so apologies I'm just going to say the names you suggested um, but you know you'll, you'll, you'll remain anonymous for now but you live in our hearts the kind of names people threw out I think we'll be discussing some of them I think we're probably discounting others but if we walk through them uh, Scorsese, Ridley Scott, Coen Brothers, Jordan Peele, Spielberg, Christopher Nolan, Tarantino, Wes Anderson sorry James Denny Villeneuve, Paul Thomas Anderson, Lynn Ramsey, Ari Aster, uh, Park Chan-wook, uh, Bong Joon-ho, David Fincher, Darren Aronofsky, uh, Clint Eastwood. I mean, there are people... I mean, most of those people have won awards of one type or another. Um, most of those people have, have, have directed films that are, you know have been very highly rated uh, you know, over time. Uh, they also mentioned a few people whose films I just haven't seen enough of to be able to form an opinion. I don't know about you, James, but Robert Eggers, uh, Selena Siama, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. I've seen like one of his films, um, The Queen. I Is that the seen... guy did The Lobster? Yeah, and all of those. Now, I I, I wouldn't want to form an opinion on, on, of his whole sort of directing career based on one film which is not necessarily an exception but maybe more accessible than some of his other films so some of those people apologies you know can't can't comment on um what were your i mean what were your criteria when you were thinking about this for you know who who who, who justifies being in the discussion for best film director uh working today and who and who doesn't what what, what on what basis would you would you include someone well, I would say that if they've made a film within the last four or five years and it was successful and you want to see the next film that they make, then I would say they're among the best directors working today. Yeah. So some of the names there haven't actually made a good film for a while. Yeah. But they've just got such a legacy that we remember their great films fondly. For example, Spielberg, I think, hasn't made an excellent film since... I would wager Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, I... No, I mean, like... 
I, I'm films in the like same back boat. in the early 2000s, but people, um, you know, loved West Side Story and loved all of these films because they were still good. They weren't as good as, you know, the 90s or the 80s or the 70s were for Spielberg. Same for Clint Eastwood. Um, the last Clint Eastwood film that I thought was excellent was probably Gran Torino. Yeah, I'm in the um, same. I'm in the same. But boat he's made as American you Sniper, which was good. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely in the same boat as you on that. I mean, if you look at if you look at Spielberg, I think he reached his peak, or you know, he was uh, he was as good as he ever was in 1998 with Saving Private Ryan. He obviously had other peaks of his career, you know, like Schindler's List, Indiana Jones, yeah. you know, Jaws and, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, but the last time he was at the at the level that has given him his reputation as one of the best directors is Saving Private Ryan. He made a couple of films that I really love after that. Um, I've come round to the way of thinking that AI, artificial intelligence, is actually a really amazing film. I really like Minority Report. I think Munich is the last film of his that I really, really like, and that's 2005. But since then, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, Adventures of Tintin, War Horse, Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, the BFG... The Post, Ready Player One, West Side Story. I don't know how good The Fablemans is, but it, there's been a long run of Spielberg being, look, he's clearly still enjoying making films and still wants to make films. I thought Post was pretty good, but he's he's not at the level he was, is he? Yeah. and I, I suppose on a technicality, you could say that they're still working today and he is one of the best directors of all time. But I think if for this conversation, I think I would be talking about people that have made films... Let's say within the past 10 years that have been absolutely stunning and we, we're excited for their next film. They might have made a film in the meantime that you've gone, okay, that wasn't for me, but see the next time they make a film, I want to see it. Okay, so so here's somebody who for me is on the borderline and I know you had a discussion about Scorsese where you know, you're you you know not keen on some of his more recent films. Um, I think the last truly amazing film um, Scorsese did was uh, Wolf of Wall Street. That's ten years ago now. And yeah, if we if we were talking about if we were having this discussion in the nineteen nineties, Martin Scorsese immediately immediately goes on the shortlist for best film director currently working today because he was coming off a run of Goodfellas, The Age of Innocence, uh, you know, Casino, you know, in. In, in recent memory, he was, you know, he's doing The Last Temptation of Christ and, and you know, just on a level that no one else can, you know, and probably Goodfellas puts him at this absolute peak that, that very few people can compete with. He's not at that level now. However, yeah. Wolf of Wall Street is in the last 10 years, and I'm genuinely interested to see how his next film, Killers of the Flower Moon, um, pans out. But for someone who would have been absolutely immediately on the shortlist... 25 years ago, I think Scorsese at the moment is a bit borderline. What's your view? I wouldn't put him anywhere near that. I, I really enjoyed The Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street, but I thought The Irishman was grossly overrated. I didn't think it was that good. I thought it was it was fucking long and it was boring. And that's not what you expect from a casino film that's got... A casino film? Sorry, a Scorsese film that's got Robert De Niro and um, Al Pacino in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's uh, Yeah, f- for me, right... One really good film in about 15 years is, it's like, 
and I don't blame I don't blame Scorsese for this because he's he has he his first sort of classic film that is you know regarded as Mean Streets that's 1973 right he follows that up with Alice that Alice doesn't live here anymore where his leading actress wins an Oscar Taxi Driver one of the best films of all time you know not long after that Raging Bull the King of Comedy After Hours The Color of Money he goes on this phenomenal run he he has a peak which lasts well over 20 years where very few people can touch what he could do with a movie camera. And yeah. the the fact is, he is he is eighty years old. He's still making films because he wants to, and because now he can get the money for the films that he wants to make. But he went into this period after kind of after the turn of the century. He starts doing these bigger, more epic films, just because he was able to do films on a grander scale than he ever was before. And The Departed's really good, and Gangs of New York is brilliant at times, but sort of flawed. It's like it's I will watch his next film. And I'm, you know, I'm. I'd rather watch late career, not as good Scorsese than like seventy five percent of all film directors that that are working today. I just don't think he's. I don't think he's genuinely in the conversation for best film director working today. In the same way that if the if the best footballer of all time, or name your sport, basketball player, cricketer, whatever it is of all time, is in the f- final couple of seasons of their career, you still want to watch him play, right? I mean, I was lucky enough to see. Serena Williams at Wimbledon, like towards you know you know only a few years ago, but her legs all strapped up. She's hardly moving around. It's not peak Serena Williams. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think we've got peak Mark yeah. Scorsese now. Um, we'll have a completely different discussion yeah. about uh, overrated film directors uh, in a couple of months. Um, but I think the scope of that will be quite different to this. What do you think, though? And here's this is maybe me being too picky, so I'm, I'm I'm inviting you to tell me if I'm being too picky, right? Lynn Ramsey, okay. I think Lynn Ramsey is absolutely fantastic. Now that doesn't mean we should decide now she's the best, um, but Lynn Ramsey's last film was made in the last ten years. It was you were never really here. I thought it was amazing. I'm hearing stories about what her next film is going to be. I'm genuinely excited to see it. I definitely want to see her next film, right? But she directed her first film in, in 1999, and she has directed a total of four films. Is that enough of a body of work to be talking about someone as, a be, as, as best director? She's made two films in the last, like, 10 or 15 years. Is that enough? Is she busy enough? I... I personally don't think so, but again, if they're still active in making films, then I think you'd be well within your right to say that she's still the best director. Like she could be your favorite director, and you can't you can't wait. But I do think she's ripping the arse out of that a wee bit. You know, that's far too long between. She's films. yeah. I mean, she she basically has this thing. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about a Scorsese film in our next episode, where Martin Scorsese did a film called After Hours in nineteen eighty five simply because it was taking him so long to get The Last Temptation of Christ made. And he just said, I don't want to go that long without making a film. Yeah? We're going to wait for a few things to happen on The Last Temptation of Christ. No one wanted to make a biblical epic. There was a lot of controversy surrounding The Last Temptation of Christ because it was a controversial work. And he eventually made that film in 1988, and he didn't want there to be a six-year gap between films. He just said, I want to make a movie now. And I I think... Lynn Ramsey is very different, and I don't want to say one's better, you know, made a better choice than the other. But Lynn Ramsey was going to make the Lovely Bones, that thing that Peter Jackson eventually ended up making, 
And she just quit. Right. She just said, I don't think I can do this story justice, combination of who she was working with and whether the story is filmable. And rather than make a film that would be compromised or not as good as she needed it to be, she just said, I'm not doing it. And she quit and let someone else direct the movie. So she would rather make four movies in 20 odd years that she absolutely believes in than make a movie that at the end of it, you go, yeah, it's not quite what I was trying to do, but hey, you know, whatever. And she's probably... She's probably the most extreme example of that, if you see what I mean. I suppose we're setting up a lot of criteria for ourselves here. Um, aren't we? I think it's got to be... It's got to be somewhere that if she's not made a film in so many years and she doesn't actually make films that regularly, then... Yeah. It's, it's up to you whether you consider... Yeah, yeah, and I think it's probably going to. I think the way it's probably going to come out is when we discuss these directors. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to leave her on my list. Who else am I going to leave on my list? Yeah, because there's a couple of people who are a bit borderline for how busy they've been lately. Anyway, um, let me mention talk about the names that I th that came up for me. And you can talk about the names that came up for you. Um, and we will see uh, where we arrive, you know, where we're thinking and, you know, whether there's a you know, name or names we can agree on. So I'm just going to throw out a long list that I was thinking of, yeah? And then you can throw out yeah. yours, mate, yeah? This is in no particular order. This is just how they came to me. Catherine Bigelow. Steve McQueen. Matt Reeves. Denny Villeneuve, Christopher Nolan, Quentin Tarantino, Paul Thomas Anderson. I've got a big asterisk against this guy's name, but Ridley Scott. Uh, Park Chan-wook, Bong Joon-ho, uh, Inaritu, uh, Alfonso Cuaron, Guillermo del Toro, Lynn Ramsey, Ryan Coogler. Now, I can already predict a couple of the names that you're not keen on and, and, and wouldn't agree on, but it seems to me that those people are still making films at the sort of peak of their abilities uh, i've really they've all made films that i've you know that i've seen relatively recently and really loved and they were the sort of the names that i kind of knocked around um what about you yeah there's a lot of people on that list that i would agree with and you know going by my criteria of they might have not made a film that I enjoyed recently, i.e. Christopher Nolan, but I still want to see Oppenheimer, for example, because mm -hmm. I know he's talented and he's made, you know, five or six of my favourite films ever. So I'm excited for him to, mm -hmm. you know, make the next film and I'm always going to watch it. Same for Tarantino, you know, he said that, did he not say Once Upon a Time in Hollywood his last film? I think he's, you know, he's well, going to make one more. He he's going to make, make one more. fucking death proof. I know, he sounds really sure, but yeah, you're right. He always says that. Um, so uh, any names that you've got that wouldn't be on my list or was it weren't on I'm interested list? as to why you put an asterisk next to Ridley Scott because he made The Last Jewel recently and House of Gucci and we both really enjoyed it so I love Ridley Scott he's one of my favourite directors of all time and that's not just because he comes from the same part of the UK that I'm from I'm sort of really loyal to him Blade Runner he, at, at his best they're, 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 you know, people you know can't touch him he's he is quite up and down, and it's like, can you, 
can you genuinely think of someone as like the best director working today when they are a bit inconsistent? And he's not inconsistent in in being a good director who directs films well. It's not like some days he directs films beautifully and other days you think, fucking hell, were you drunk? He's, I think what he, what, what he is is that he has a habit of picking the wrong script sometimes. You know, and he'll he'll do Alien, he'll do Prometheus and Alien Covenant, and either they're just not a very promising idea, or you know the the studio kind of you know gets in the way, and he and he sort of goes, oh, all right, but I'll do the film your way, and I'll you know rely on the director's cut." I get the feeling he's changed a little bit because his last couple of films feel like Ridley Scott saying, "Fuck you, I'm making my movie," but I just feel like he's not the best judge of a script. So sometimes he hits it, and sometimes he doesn't. That's why I had my doubts over him. Am I making sense? Yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, he's he's on he's on my list, and you, you know, maybe maybe I'll talk myself into into to putting his name. But again, if you look at his his f- filmography, depends how far back we go. But because he's he has these runs of good form, and then and then runs of really shit form. But if you, I think to be how old is he now? Eighty six. Yeah, and still be making you know films that we both thought were excellent. Well, his next film, I Napoleon. I am so there, I am so excited for his next film, Napoleon. You know, uh, who's playing Napoleon in that? As you know? Wa- Joaquin Phoenix. Is it Joaquin Phoenix. Jesus Christ! Yeah, that would and, be very and, good. and it was going to be Jodie Comer as Josephine, but now it's going to be uh, what's her name? The one who was in Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, Rebecca Ferguson. No, uh, the Vanessa Kirby. Oh, yeah, her than the Crown. Yeah, yeah, and she's um, she's really good and. Just, yeah. I mean, he's going through currently quite a good run. Although, if you go back 10 years, you've got... Well, if you go back to since 2010, Robin Hood, Prometheus, The Counselor, Exodus, Gods and Kings. He rattles off four films in a row, which Prometheus is, has some good, good moments, but is flawed at best, right? And since then, he's had a run of films starting with The Martian. One, two, three, four, five five films where four of them are really really good and alien covenant ugh, is not is not very good but the martian is fantastic i really liked all the money in the world and the last jewel house of gucci were both excellent he's like he's so up and down do you know what i mean yeah um but look we're, 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 although it, it, i would say since the martian though would you say he's been that miss do you know what i mean like he, just one he just had one. a few years yeah so it's but he's he's done he's done this before where he's uh, you know he, do, he 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 did really well with Gladiator and then he had a run of about four or five years where everything he did was really good. Um, yeah, it's just and then he <laughs> then he hits. I he's, he's that brick wall. Yeah, yeah he's like I mean if we're going to do sports analogies, he's the equivalent of that incredibly gifted footballer who sometimes inexplicably doesn't doesn't perform as well as as you know he can. So. But like, yeah. But if talking about your criteria, would you would you queue up to watch their next film? Absolutely, and that's and that's Absolutely. and I mean, that's before, and that's before, he's going to make a Napoleon film. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, he's fucking. He's not. He just doesn't give a shit, does he? He's making his movie. Yeah, like that's a film that you make when like that's that's like Francis Ford Coppola making Apocalypse Now in his eighties. You well, know he, what I mean? Like that scale of film. Well, Coppola's kind of doing that. He's making a film called Megalopolis, which is the most ambitious film he's ever attempted. And he's sticking his own money into it because he's mental. Um, it's, and it's like, 
I, I mean, one thing I'll say about Ridley Scott is he's putting his kind of late career kind of clout to good use. I mean, The Martian was a massive hit, right? And he'll argue yeah. that Alien Covenant was commercially successful and, you know, has, has put him where he wants to be. But he is now doing, he's just using, it's like saying, you know, he might make Napoleon and say, right, time to, time to go fishing. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. or, or he might just go on and on until you know, and, 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 until he uh, until he dies, right? But each film at this stage, uh, at his age, could be the one where he goes, "Okay, now I'm done." And his attitude to that is, "Well, fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna make an absolute, you know, I, no one will say I wasn't ambitious with this movie." Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, look, he's look, he's on my list of, dis- of, of discussions. Um, any any names I've missed off? Any any names that I've um, that in your mind that I didn't mention? Um, no, I, I was surprised that you were going to bring up Matt Reeves because I feel like he gets forgotten about so often. Um, I just I just come around to the opinion with Matt Reeves, and th- th- there's another discussion which will come to this. Matt Reeves is, is a good kind of uh, kind of subject for this. He's, he's really very underrated, but look at the films that he's done. One of the first films he did was Cloverfield, which is actually a really good film. I mean, there was a high risk that, like, um, you know, a found footage film like that is going to be so over and done. But that's a really good film. And one of the things, because I, I went to watch it with Tony Friend of the Pod back in the day in the cinema, and we were saying afterwards that having been in London on the day of um, the 7-7 attacks... It really captured that in a crisis or a disaster, that kind of confusion and milling around and going, what do we do now? Uh, as well as the, you know, bad stuff is happening. And he's, you know, he took, you know, a promising start to the New Planet, the Ames reboot that, that another guy directed and just turned that into a great trilogy with his two films, um, Dawn yeah. of the Planet, the Apes and uh, War for the Planet, the Apes. And the latest Batman film, I mean, he's got some big shoes to fill, which demonstrably other people went and failed miserably at filling, you know, doing a Batman film after Nolan's trilogy. And he smashed out the part with the Batman. And I, I, I think the only question I have about someone like Matt Reeves is, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm including people whose films are largely commercial because I'm not, I don't want to be a snob, right? But Matt Reeves hasn't done a, you know, an what most people would refer to as an Oscar-worthy drama. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't do art house. He doesn't do independent. He does very mainstream films. But he just does such an amazing job of them. I mean, do, do people have to have done, inverted commas, serious dramas to, to be on the shortlist? Um, if they're wanting to win an Oscar, yes, but that's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about people that just make great films. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's what's good about Matt Reeves is that you, you know, um, Planet of the Apes isn't um, isn't winning the uh, the best picture film that year, but it was excellent. It was just so well done mm-hmm. that um, you know, for us, I think that that trilogy gets forgotten about, but we absolutely love those films. Yeah, yeah, they're so really, really for, good. For us, we don't. For us, I don't care if they've made the serious art house drama that you need to get the Oscar recognition. Um, I think they just have to make excellent films, and I, Matt Reeves is definitely up there. Yeah, um, yeah, hundred percent. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree, and I think we'll see how it shakes out when we just when we you know get down to these people. The name I left off that's uh, someone mentioned in the socials. The name I've left off is Jordan Peele. Now, okay, the reason I've left Jordan Peele off this list, and I'm happy to stick him back on if you disagree, is I don't think he's made quite enough films to form an opinion. He's made three movies. Um, one of them was an absolute, almost perfection. Okay, in getting Get Out, Us was yeah. there's some stuff I absolutely love about Us. It's uh, there's some it really interesting and ambitious, and I'm always I'm always 100% here for someone who is, um, you know, going to be that ambitious in the movies that he makes. Um, but it didn't altogether work, and he's he, and he's come out with Nope, which I think was a good like summer blockbuster type action film, and no more. I enjoyed it, but. You know, it's a very well-made film. Enjoyed it, but no more. I'm not sure he's done enough to form an opinion. Am I being harsh? I mean, because he's made three um, good recent films. And I'm, I mean, again, and I'll definitely, I'll definitely go and see his next film. Have you seen? Have you? Did you get around to seeing? Nope. No, I haven't seen it yet. Um, I was waiting for it to become available on all forms of media. Because I streaming, didn't yeah. see it in the cinema. Yeah, um, I think what's different for Jordan Peele to say Lynn Ramsey or something like that is that Jordan Peele's made three films in five years, so is actively getting into filmmaking. So I don't think it's yeah. unfair to call him a top director. What I would say is that Us wasn't as good as Get Out, and from what I've read, neither is Nope. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's making good films that you want to go and see and you're excited for his fourth film, I think you means for your for you definitely. I'm not too sure because I wasn't too keen on us. I loved Get Out. Get Out's one of the best films I've ever seen. Mm. But the fact that you want to go see his next film, I think, means you can bracket him in with all the other directors that you would yeah. consider the top directors. I think comparing to Christopher Nolan, who hasn't actually made a good film since Interstellar, mm-hmm. that's nine years now. You've enjoyed three of Jordan Peele's films in the past six years. Um yeah, the same I mean, time that yeah, Christopher Nolan's made two misses. I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I have a different view of you than you on Tenet, but I mean, there are plenty of people out there who... Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think there's people out there who, who loved Dunkirk uh, and weren't keen on Tenet, but because because he because, because he's obviously out doing what he's doing now and trying all these different things, if he makes two films in a row that don't work for you, it, it's it's been a long time since he made a film you really loved. Um, but it's still only like two films out of his out of his whole filmography, and he's got another film coming out this year. So Nolan is Nolan's in the mix for me, and you can go back to his previous films like Interstellar and the Dark Knight trilogy. I think that's legit. Let, look, let's let's put Jordan Peele on, right? Because he's busy making films right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's got to be part of the criteria is that they're still making films, and you still mm-hmm. want to see them. Yeah. You said Martin Scorsese was borderline because he's not made a good film in as many years but he's still making films and you will go and see the next one yeah i think that's part that's got to be part of the criteria that makes them a top director is that okay they're mm-hmm. making a film next year i'm going to go see that mm-hmm. the same way that i'm going to go see oppenheimer even though i absolutely hated tenet and dunkirk you know what i mean mm-hmm. i know what you mean. Um, because i know christopher Nolan's excellent so the same thing with tarantino i didn't really enjoy um you know say kill bill both the kill bills but you know i've, I've absolutely loved every film since mm-hmm um, what was the other one he made? Death Proof. That was shit. Mm. But 
you know, still excited to see his next film if he if he actually makes one. Yeah, I think the difference is that I, I don't know. It's hard because are there many directors that made so many great films and now don't make good films anymore? Francis Ford Coppola is probably there. Like nobody's. I don't give a shit about Francis Ford Coppola's next film. Do you? Be honest. I, I, I'm, do you? I'm genuinely interested to see what happens with Megalopolis because it's so. But but that is a massive exception to the rest of his film output. He he's been out of it. If I'm completely honest, he's been out of it for thirty years, and that's that's thirty years since Bram Stoker's Dracula. Actually, it's over forty years since Coppola was Coppola. If you see what I mean, because he had this amazing seventies with Godfather, Godfather Part Two, um, uh, the Conversation, and Apocalypse Now, and you just think, yeah, no, 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 hardly anyone can touch that the decade he had in the 70s. But that's a long time ago. You know... Uh, uh, yeah, but he also made Jack. But, that, but that's what I mean. The thing is, everyone makes a bad movie, but the fact is, what, what he doesn't have is his, 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 his film career is so stacked at the beginning with all his best films. All his best films are made in the first 10, year, 10 years of his career, and the subsequent 40 years of his career, he's only rarely done anything remotely, remotely near that. And that, that's just a fact. I mean, you know, if we were having this conversation in the mid-90s, we wouldn't put Coppola down as one of the best directors working today because you just say, well, it's been 15 years since Coppola was Coppola. I think, it's, I think it's 15 years since Scorsese was Scorsese, maybe 20 years since Scorsese was Scorsese. That's not his fault. He's 80 years old. Do you know what I mean? He was making films that no one else could touch, like into his 60s, you know? The fact that he still yeah. wants to make movies and they're always quite, usually quite interesting and I'll always watch his next film, for sure. But it's a long time since he was. I think if someone's reputation for being a great filmmaker, they has you ha, if you have to go back 20, 30 years for the films that earn that reputation, they can't be in this conversation. Someone like Nolan, who's made a couple of films you don't like uh, as part of a trajectory where he's pushing boundaries. People could say the same thing about um, Kubrick in the 70s. Do you know what I mean? If they don't want to see Barry Lyndon or they hated Clockwork Orange because they were so repelled by it, that's two movies, do you know what I mean? Out of the total filmography of someone who's still out there still doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um Okay, so you got no, you got no names to throw on. I think we're both agreed the Coen brothers aren't on our list of um, best directors. No, get into fuck. Um, even I though think they, they are grossly overrated. I mean, they've made some amazing films that I absolutely love, but I think they probably make more films that I'm like indifferent about. And I, I, I like you. I think there is this element of they. They do what they do, and but everything they do gets treated with this reverence. When they they're clearly not treating everything they do with that with that reverence, because sometimes they just chuck out a comedy, or they chuck out a hey, do you remember those like uh, old fashioned movies from the forties? Let's do one a bit like that. Fair play, but I just I think they're they every, they only rarely make a film that really kind of gets my attention, and I haven't seen anything but from them that I've really cared about in in years and years. Probably not since No Country for Old Men. Yeah, they, and even at that, while I thought No Country for All Men was excellent, they've got a rep reputation for making all these amazing, brilliant films. I genuinely don't think their films are that good. Even No Country for Old Men, 
I think a lot of the success of that film relies on um, Javier Bardem. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You, the difference between a film that is excellent because of the director and excellent because of the actor mm-hmm. is what do you remember No Country for Old Men for? I remember it for Javier Bardem's performance. Mm. The same way that The Dark Knight is remembered for Heath Ledger's performance, but you also remember the sequence with the truck flipping upside down, and mm-hmm. you remember the you know the the scene on the crew on the the ferries. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how Christopher Nolan made that film, you know, a success. But you will always remember Heath Ledger, Interstellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah he had excellent performances. But look at look at the set pieces for the the black hole. Look at the the docking sequence. You know what I mean? There are things that a director can do that make that film excellent. I don't think the Coen brothers actually have done that. Yeah. Big Lebowski is amazing because of Jeff Bridges and John Goodman and um, what the fuck's that guy's name? He just plays the same guy with the Eastern European accent who plays one of the nihilists. What's his name again? um, Oh, God. He's in Jurassic Park. Cut off your Johnson. He's in Jurassic Park 2 as well. Bad Boys and all those ones, basically. And those performances, I don't think there's anything about Big Lebowski's direction that makes me go, oh, wow, do you remember that sequence? Obviously, they have a they have a part to play in like getting the right shot and the right scene and the right take, but when a film is remembered for its performances, the I don't I don't buy into all that namby pamby bullshit. But oh, the director got so much like that was such a good take from the director. The actor is doing all the work for the success of that film, and that's basically what the Coen Brothers have done their entire careers. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I in my opinion, no, no, asterisk no, hashtag. No, the thing is, I, I like I like their films in the way when their films are really good. I lo- I love them in the way they do them, but I I agree with you. I mean, even No Country for Old Men, that's not the same film without Javier Bardem. Whereas The Dark Knight, for example, Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker absolutely stands out. But with a with a decent performance by somebody as Joker that's still a terrific film do you know what I mean because there's so many exactly. other good things going on so yeah I mean I'm 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 ruling out the Coen brothers and I, I, will, I will stand by that um that was I, a massive rant because we both agree that they shouldn't be on this list I just fucking can't stand when directors get so much praise for things that they didn't really do yeah do I, I, mean? I get the feeling they'll be popping up popping up on the overrated directors discussion when we have that um <laughs> And you know, obviously, <laughs> there, 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 there are some apologies to like directors who I just personally don't know them well enough. Like Pedro Almodovar, he is, you know, he is still making films now which are getting awards recognition, and there, there's no hint that he's, you know, losing his powers. I just don't know his recent work that well. I've seen a few of his older films and I like them, but I, I'm that this has to be our list of who who we like best. This, you know, none of these discussions are ever definitive, right? Because we haven't seen all the directors. And so there are plenty of directors out there who are incredibly highly rated. We don't know them well enough, so they're not in our discussion. Sorry about that. Um, so how do we want to do this? Do you, do you want to take a director at a time and see what we think? Um, yeah, why don't we just go by your list and then just... Maybe, yeah. I don't know if we have all the time in the world to deeply dissect them, but maybe well, we analyse like the let's, points. Yeah, let, let's walk through that and we've each, already been making. Yeah, shall we sort of go go down the long list and see who deserves to be on the short list, and then see who we've who we're left with at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Catherine Bigelow. I think arguments uh, for, mm. argument arguments for right. The Hurt Locker was amazing. Um, yeah. and, and I love um, Zero Dark Thirty. Not not everyone does, and Detroit despite not being that commercially successful, is very powerful drama. That's three good films in a row. Um, there was a long lag, like, 
prior to the Hurt Locker, which wasn't entirely her fault. There's like 14 years where she makes a, a good submarine drama in um, K-19, The Widowmaker, but really her reputation rests on kind of three films that she's made in the last kind of, you know, 10 years. And I don't see huge sign of her making another movie. Um, I'm, I really like Catherine Bigelow. Uh, I'm not, and she's on the list because those three films are tremendous. I'm just not sure. Um, I'm just not sure if she's done enough in the past ten years to uh, uh, to justify it. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mm, I'm sort of with you on that one, but I'm also in the um, the Heart Locker was so good, and even though it was about fifteen years ago now, I'm still thinking. You know what? If Catherine Bigelow makes another film and I like the idea of the story, then I'll probably go watch it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I thought Zero Dark Thirty was a big come down from The Heart Locker. I thought it was slow. It didn't need to be two hours and 40 minutes long. Um, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And obviously they had to change the ending because they, they found Osama Bin Laden. Mm -hmm. But I haven't seen Detroit, but I, did, I remember seeing Detroit and thinking, oh, is that, is that, that's the one with John Boyega talking about the, it's discussing like the, the, the riots, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tr true life kind of like siege in the middle of a race riot. So, hang on, is that the one with uh, Will Poulter in it? Yeah. I think I have seen that. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, so, yeah, I've actually enjoyed a film of her. When was that? 2015 mm. that came out? When did that come out? So, Two I've actually enjoyed a film of her. yeah. 17. So I've enjoyed a film of hers relatively recently. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, um, she, I mean, I, I, I love Catherine Bigelow. I think she does amazing things with films. She's probably the only, she's really interesting in the way that she's a, a female director who's got these incredible insights into her male characters. A lot of female directors do films about female characters, which is entirely understandable. There's probably not been enough films about female characters over the years because of the male domination of the, the business. But Bigelow, she does what she's good at. She's as good as anybody at just kind of picking apart these, like, big, uh, you know, you know, male characters. Uh, 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 Zero Dark Thirty um, aside, because it is actually a focus on a female, female central character. She just does what she does so bloody well. The question I'm going to ask myself is that she's on my list, uh, you know, on there, but if I was going to, if I was going to say, right, out of these three, let's pick a top three, and at the end of the pod, end of this episode, we'll pick one of those one of those three we think is the best. I don't think she quite makes the top three. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you'd still go see her next film, so you'd yeah. probably consider her among yeah, most she, interesting and top directors. She's, she's yeah, de she, she definitely earns a place on the list of the best directors currently working today. I'm not sure if, yeah. we, if we're going to nominate three. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put an asterisk against her name. And if if three if three more people will have an asterisk against her name, we'll have to decide who, who gets dropped off the list. But I think Catherine Bigelow, j just because of how good she, she is when she does make a movie, you know, like like you say, I definitely whatever her next film is, I'm I'm going to go and see it. Um, well, with the names that we've got coming up, I think she probably isn't going to make that. She probably dro she probably drops but, off. Yeah. yeah. So Steve McQueen. No, now then. Um, I obviously think 12 Years a Slave is probably the best film ever made. And yeah. that that says a lot because 
you know, of all the films that have ever been made. Yeah. However, not watched a single film of his since. I mean, he's he's only made one film since. Um, he's done a number of really good TV projects under the under the title Small Axe. There's a series of kind of films for TV did for the BBC about mainly to do with Black history in 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 London, but Black history in the UK, um, which are you know deservedly award winning. But but they're TV, right? And this is a film podcast. Um, he did Widows. Uh, which I really, really bloody like. I, I like heist movies, and I think it's a really good example of a heist movie. It's got um, uh, uh, Daniel Kaluuya as a tremendous villain. It's got really good. It's got a good cast, top to bottom. Colin Farrell, uh, you know Viola Davis, just all all good. You know Liam Neeson. It's got packed with good actors giving good performances, and and what I also like about it is that it's it's got some stuff about kind of like. It briefly does the whole thing where, you know, it is interesting that, you know, women are pulling off the heist and part of the reason they're going to pull it off is that no one suspects them. They're the wives of bank robbers. Why would anyone suspect that they could actually pull a job themselves, right? And uh, there's some stuff about kind of, you know, you know, cops and, and, and racism and politics in Chicago. But on the whole, it, it's just a bloody good movie. It's just a bloody good heist movie. Steve McQueen's going, I can do these serious dramas like 12 Years a Slave. I can I can do your fucking action film if you like, um, and I just I just love his command of the screen. And I've seen you know I've seen Shame Hunger is that's a long time ago. My my doubt was Hunger Steve, is a great film. Yeah, my, Hunger my, is a great film. Yeah, my my see for me, I don't think Stephen Queen's made a bad movie. I think most of the films he's made have actually been amazing films, right? And when someone's got that kind of hit rate, the only thing is that it's been six years since his last film. He's currently making his next one. Um, you know, he's he's you know he's a Turner Prize winning artist, and he does stuff on the TV. My you know prob- the problem for me with McQueen is I'm a I'm a film fan, so great the TV stuff. And I want to see what I want to see his big screen stuff, but I can't pick holes in any film Steve McQueen's directed. He's, I mean, the, I mean, the, you know, Christopher Nolan. I think we, re, you know, regard as having made some of, you know, like four or five of your favorite films of all time. But he's made films I don't like. Steve McQueen's got a fucking incredible hit rate. He's he's super consistent. When he makes a film, it is bloody good. Yeah, I think he would. He's got an outside shout for being up there. My only problem is, is that he doesn't do films very regularly, does yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's because he's not just a film director. Um, he's an artist and yeah. TV producer and, and all of these other things. Uh, it's a privilege when he does come and make a movie for us. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. He is working on something. Um, man looks things up on the internet. Um, and it sounded really interesting, actually, the film he's working on. Yeah, it's called Blitz. It's got Saoirse Ronan, Stephen Graham, uh, Kathy Burke, and it is... It's actually set in World War Two, so it's a World War Two themed historical drama about uh, literally about the Blitz in, in World War Two. Interesting like, cast. Yeah, I'd like, yep, yes, please. I would like to see that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think he's he's automatically makes the list. And would I, I think it's going to come down to how he compares body of work to other people. Do you know what I mean? So so now we come to Matt Reeves. We, we've already kind of briefly discussed him, but body of work. I think Matt Reeves is pretty solid. Um, has he hit the heights of some of the other people on this list? 
I think with the with, with the Batman, he really has. He's really hit his stride. But maybe this maybe this discussion's come a little bit too early for him because he's also directed a movie called The Paul Bearer, which is like meh. Um, Let Me In, the remake of Let the Right One In. Apparently, it's good, but I'm you know that's actually on our list to do as a remake. I hate watch it. it. Might turn out to be good. It's one of the ones where I haven't seen it, and we're going to watch it with arms folded and see if it impresses us. But his last three movies have been very good. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes, The Batman. He's one of the best kind of commercially, you know, he's one of the best mainstream directors out there. I mean, like like we said, I think, on the previous, you know, when we were talking about the Double Reel Awards, if there is a big mainstream project happening, you know, it, I don't necessarily say, oh, the only person who can be who can do this as well as it's going to be done is Matt Reeves. But if I hear Matt Reeves is doing a film, I'm going, yeah, that'll be good. Because he's good. That will be a good film. Well, I think the pressure of a massive blockbuster doesn't get to him and I think that's a skill in itself Agreed. it's obviously not the skill of let's make an Oscar winner but it's the skill of okay you're doing a Batman film after so many shit Batman films mm-hmm. and after everyone still thinks about the Dark Knight trilogy mm-hmm. so you know to make a, a film that's totally different to any Batman film we've seen and still be a success I think as a skill in amongst itself so I would, I would have him in the top three but I think what we do is we go through the list and then we discuss yeah, let, the yeah let, let, let's see how he shakes out so Denny Villeneuve what are your so views you like on him Denny a lot Villeneuve? more than I you like him a lot more than I do mm-hmm. um, I've not got that same affinity for Blade Runner as as you, Blade Runner is obviously your fa- your favorite, if not top three favorite films of all time. Yeah, um, and for me, it's just not that. It's still a good film, but for me, it's you know I think it's different when you saw it, you know, closer to the time it came out when cinema was totally different to what it is now. Um, I really enjoyed Prisoners. I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, Sicario. And, and I don't know. I don't know how good how close you can call uh, that. Sicario, another very good film. Um, an interesting kind of source material or kind of story to choose to do, but again, I don't know. There's uh, what's good about that is that he can do things like Dune, he can do things like Prisoners, he can do Sicario, he can do Blade Runner. So it shows that he can do two very different types of sci-fi, because Dune and Blade Runner are two very different types of sci-fi. Yeah. Um, you know, Dune is like you know a very it's like a kind of fantasy thing, whereas. Blade Runner is very much cyberpunk science yep. fiction. I think Prisoners is great. I think Sicario is great, as is Arrival. Here's, here's where I am with, with Denis Villeneuve, right? He has done some really, really good films. And he's done some really good films which could have gone very badly. A sequel to Blade Runner, there's a hundred ways that could go wrong, right? And, you know, we've already seen before he did Dune, someone else tried it and it was an absolute disaster. So he's capable of doing things that other people can't do. His films are really good. Body of work, it's, a, it's just a really, it's a really, really solid, strong CV. At the same time, if I'm completely honest, I put his name in the long list without being all that sure he would make my short list. Do you know what I mean? I, do you know what I think's a bit unfortunate is that he makes good films, but none of the films he's made, I've gone, I want to see that in the cinema. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like I mean, Prisoners, I, I, yeah, I, mean I, I watched that after it came out, but yeah. you know, I never thought, yeah, I want to watch that when when it comes out. It's just, I mean, I have, yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I have, but like I say, neither of us are clamouring for him to make our top three, are we? 
I can't put my finger on why. I can't say, oh, you know what? I saw this film with Dennis DeVilleneuve and here's this thing he didn't do very well. Or do you know what I mean? It's like he's done good female characters, he's done good male characters, he's done good sci-fi, he's done good non-sci-fi. Sicario is a fucking tremendous film. It's just at the same time, though, he's not he's not jumping onto my top three. Do you know what I mean? And this is a long list. Do you know what I mean? I don't. Yeah. Th- I don't think he's going to make it. And, yeah, I, and it's unfortunate I, and, and because I speak he makes as, good films. I, I speak as someone who really, really likes him. You know, we'll probably publish a list of the who we think are currently the best filmmakers working at the moment. He's not, but he's not going to make the top of the list um, because, frankly, because there are some people on this list who they're working today and they're making some of the best films that have ever been made, and they are the you know among the best film you know filmmakers who have ever walked the earth. I think it's no disgrace to not make a top three while still being a really good director and. I think he's done an amazing job with Dune and everything. I just don't think he quite makes the podium. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think he, he like like we've said, he makes good films and we enjoy them. But I don't know, and it's, it's a shame. I don't even know what it is. There, it's just um, I don't go. Oh yeah, I really need to see that when that comes out. Do you know what I mean? The the thing is, people's film careers are are long, right? And he's got a very very solid body of work, and he might you know. It, I've got a feeling that when the, the way he tops off Dune two could actually make that look look back on those two films as being, you know, it's. I feel like he in Dune he's made the first half of what could well turn out to be one of my favourite films of all time. We'll see how it pans out, but we can't pass comment yet. I get the feeling with Denny Filner, he's one of those people whose films film careers were not. I'm not quite ready to entirely pass comment on. Whereas with Tarantino, we're talking about someone who might only make one more film. And he's already made enough films over the past thirty years, I think, for people to form a fairly strong opinion on what you think of his of, of his of his output. Do you know what I mean? Whereas Denny Villeneuve, I know he's been making films a while. I just feel like it's not quite time to pass comment on him yet. Yeah. So he, he doesn't make our top three. Uh, Christopher Nolan. Here's a big one. 2015, 20, um, 2015, 2016, He makes the top three without without question, right? Yeah. And I. I absolutely love Tenet. I watched it several times. The more I think about it, the more I like it. I think Tenet is absolutely amazing. But if that film doesn't do it for you, and Dunkirk doesn't do it for you like it didn't for me, it's been nine years since Nolan was Nolan for you, to be fair. Nolan is up there for me because I have loved all but one of his films. Um but leaving aside, if we take total body of work and we say that his, his, his relatively recent great films are admissible, who's done anything on a par with The Dark Knight, uh, Inception, Interstellar? Um, you know, who, who's currently making films? Who's making films that are, that are, that are capable of what, what Nolan's capable of at his best? No one. That's the annoying thing about this one, is that he still makes the top three, but he doesn't make it as comfortable as he did. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think he's on our shortlist. But uh, you see, for me, right, Nolan is do he's, he's trying things with his films. And I, you could look at two films in a row that you don't like, think this guy's gone off the boil. I think what he's doing, he's pushing boundaries and trying to do things the way Kubrick did. Now, fortunately, he's making films more frequently than Kubrick was because Kubrick started to leave such gaps between his films that you do feel like it's like, if you are the kind of person who makes a specific kind of film a specific kind of way that you might not like, there's something very 
personally disappointing, isn't it, when a director you love on purpose makes a film you don't like? Do you know what I mean? Because I think I think Nolan meant to do what he did with Dunkirk. I don't think Dunkirk like failed to pan out the way Nolan wanted it to. He made that movie the way he wanted to make it, and he made Tenet the way he wanted to make it. And if that doesn't work for a fan of his, that fan is going to be more personally disappointed, probably more so than a film that he tried to do it and you know and it didn't quite work out. Nolan is purposely making films you don't like. Do you know what I mean? It's nothing personal, but it's it's personally disappointing, isn't it? I think he is going through somewhat of a change as a director. He's done a lot of his kind of sci-fi mm-hmm. um, films. He still made Tenet, which is firmly in his like realm of science fiction. I just thought it was shit. But he's now he's made Dunkirk, and now he's a way to make Oppenheimer. Which do you think maybe is not? Sorry, mate. Do you think Tenet is maybe him throwing the kitchen sink at that kind of Nolan film that he's done before, so he can say? Uh, there's nothing left. There's nothing I haven't tried in that area. So now I can just have a proper crack at these other kinds of films. Um, no, because I still feel like he'll come out and make a film that's a lot like Inception or Interstellar or even Tenet. Like I like the idea of Tenet. I just thought it was shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he. I still think he's got those films in him, and I think himself and his brother will come out with other films. Yeah. What I think he's now trying to do is like, well, you know what? I've got a real affinity for World War II history, so I'm going to make Dunkirk and Oppenheimer, and he might make other films. You know, I could easily see Chris Nolan trying to make this Napoleon film that Ridley Scott's going to try and make. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I feel like he's at that kind of stage now where that's not something I wouldn't be surprised at. So, as much as I didn't like Dunkirk, I think... I understand why he tried to make it, and I was excited to see Dunkirk. Remember, we went we went into town, we had a bit of dinner before it, and we yeah. went to the the BFI IMAX. We were both excited for that yeah. film. You know, yeah. we we made a day of it. We put it in the diaries. Me and you, we, because of like where I stay and where you stay, that was like a day for us. So we were excited for it. So I think that in itself is indicative of how much we respect and enjoy Nolan's films. So maybe that's what still would cement him in the top three. That kind of occasion that we made of it. Yeah, and it's interesting when you're talking about, because we are talking about what is Nolan going to do next, because he's one of those directors where it's it's hard to guess what he's going to do next. I mean, we're going to come to Tarantino, right? Tarantino's next film. If you ask me to go to the bookies and bet a fiver on what Tarantino's film next film is going to be like, and I speak of someone who absolutely bloody loves his films. I love what he does, right? But I think you can predict what he does. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But Tarantino's next film, it's likely to be set in the past. It's certainly going to reference the past. It's going to reference past films and past TV. And it will hark back one way or another to a kind of a time before fucking smartphones and Twitter. Do you know what I mean? And it's going to hark, it's going to hark back one way or another to more of a golden age of films that, than today. And I don't have a problem with that because Tarantino does that as well as can anybody. With Nolan, it's like, I'm not sure what he's going to make. I mean, you want to make a, have a quick look at a list of like, unrealized projects of Nolan's that he tried to make and didn't to give you an idea of, of the, the range of things he's been into yeah, yeah. Um, he wanted to do a Howard Hughes biopic but abandoned it because um, the Scorsese film came out um, oh. but the idea of this reclusive kind of billionaire who is, who's got these kind of strange ambitions informed the way he portrayed Bruce Wayne in the Dark Knight trilogy um, 
he went about adapting a Ruth Rendell mystery called Keys to the Street, which is a period drama about a series of grisly murders near Regent's Park. Um, you know, didn't didn't happen, but that's a, that's something sort of a little bit different to anything we've seen from him. Before he did Inception, he was thinking of doing a film adaptation of the the old British TV show The Prisoner, which was very surreal science fiction and espionage. So having done Inception and Tenet, that kind of tracks. I bet he loved The Prisoner when he was a kid. Do you know what I mean? Um, because yeah. it's totally up his street. But it, it's kind of... I genuinely... Even though I know what his next film is about, I still don't know what quite what film we're going to get. I don't know how, what he's going to focus on. Is it going to be a character study of Oppenheimer? Is it going to be about the actual um, uh, logistics of... of uh, uh, splitting the atom is it going to be about the horrors of of, of atomic war I, I don't know i genuinely don't know where where nolan's going with this which which i like I'm, I'm genuinely you know i'm enjoying the fact that i'm going to go to a movie and not really you know not really know what i'm going to get but he's very difficult to pin down with what his next movie is going to be really but he he makes the list he makes the short list for me i would say yeah he's unless there's a like unless the next few kind of we absolutely you yeah know, yeah Agreed. Okay, so so here here is here is a big name, Quentin Tarantino. I think he makes top three, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean it's a long time. Unfortunately, since even though we can predict his films, but yeah, he's there. Do you know what? It's it's not sometimes sometimes predicted predictable is is good because when when he announces the film he's going to make, I'm sort of rubbing my hands about it. I mean, I was I was I was a little bit sure about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I was corrected by the outcome of the movie because. The first time I the first time I watched it, I just liked it. On subsequent viewings, I just I love it more and more. Um, he just he just he, what he does, he's better out than anybody else. Um, and he made a couple of films I didn't like 15, 20 years ago. And apart from that, he's made films I really bloody love. So, you know, while I it really pissed me off. I mean, Kill Bill and Death Proof really really pissed me off. That's two films out of a 30-year career where I've generally absolutely loved his films, so he, it's not even a debate. It becomes a debate when we're talking about whether we give him the, the, the gold medal at the end, you know? Yeah. So here's one. a quick one, wasn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so here's one, and I think we have a different opinion over this director, and I think there has to be a consensus. So if we can't agree that they're on the list and they're not on the list, but Paul Thomas Anderson. You are much more into him than I am. So if we have to kind of have our own top threes and he's in your top three, then I'm not going to have him in my top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't make he doesn't make your top three. I mean, I, I will I will make the case for him. I think uh, when you've made firstly Boogie Nights and then Magnolia and then Punch Drunk Love and There Will Be Blood and The Master, that's just such a fucking phenomenal run of incredible films, man. And Inherent Vice. It's not as good as other other ones, but I still really like it. Phantom Thread. I have no. I don't know quite what to say about Phantom Thread. I have no real objection to it. I don't personally love watching Daniel Day Lewis in films. Do, do you know what I mean? This is not a comment on how good he is because he's obviously brilliant. But a film that's all about Daniel Day Lewis making dresses is like, ah. But you know. Nonetheless, it's you know you, you can't quibble with the quality of the film. The the sheer quality of the films Paul Thomas Anderson makes, 
is absolutely undeniable. I think it's purely a matter of taste. But like you say, he would make my top three if it was just me. I don't think he makes your top three, though, does he? Yeah. Okay, well, I think, we, me. I think we have to park Paul Thomas Anderson because I think there's probably going to be one name that we can agree on out of all of these, which means as much as I love Paul Thomas Anderson, it's not going to be that. Um, so we've, we've partly discussed Ridley Scott. So we've kind of discussed, you know, his consistency. And, and, you know, I think we agree that he's made great films recently and we're looking forward to seeing his next one. Does he make the top three for you? I'm not too sure. I'm I'm undecided. What about you? If we were to make this film after Napoleon comes out, it would either be very clear that he wasn't on the top three or very clear that he was. Do you see what I mean? If Napoleon is as good as it could be, that could be the film where Ridley Scott finally wins the Best Director Oscar that I think he thoroughly deserves, where he finally tops off his career and will say... We forgive him every single one of his bad films because of how good his films, his good films are. Um, or we would say, oh, final shot didn't work. I love Ridley Scott, but probably not quite there. I, I, I think he's there's this watershed that's going to come with his next film. At the moment, I love Ridley Scott, man. Um, I don't I love his what, most what recent. His, the, the reasons I love his films, as, as much as I like his recent films, the reason I love Ridley Scott as much as I do does date back to some of his earlier stuff. You know, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, even American Gangster. His, his films that have that put him near the top for me are a little way in the past. Um, even though I love she, The Last Jewel and, and House of Gucci, I do really like both of those films. I just feel like... I feel like he's narrowly missing out on the podium, whereas if Napoleon comes out and is as good as it could be, then he's straight on the podium. Do you know what I mean? He needs that in this last period of his career. He needs that one film to absolutely fucking smash it. Every other period of his career has had has had good films, maybe a film I didn't like very much, and one film that absolutely fucking knocked me out of the park. And Napoleon is either that film or it isn't. That's me. Well, what right. I will say is that Ridley Scott is very similar to, say, a Clint Eastwood or a Martin Scorsese type where they have made some of the best films of all time in the past. Yeah. They're still making films now. They aren't as, you know... You know, they aren't as amazing as the films they were making back in the day, but we still... I, well, what's different with Scorsese is I think Scorsese films have been shit since Wolf of Wall Street and Clint Eastwood pretty much the same since Grand Torino. Yeah, Whereas Ridley Clint Scott is still is making 90, The Martian. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me... Yeah, I mean, I mean Ridley uh, Scott's 86. I mean, so, for, I mean, a year ago, we voted Ridley Scott's The Last Jewel the best film of the year. Exactly. So he's, he's still making... He's up there... I. I, I think he narrowly misses out in, in a conversation that doesn't have his like his next film in it. I think he's just narrowly missing the, 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 the top three slot. And I speak as someone who's a fucking enormous Ridley Scott fan. I think the only reason he doesn't make the top three is that you know he's not made a film as good as Gladiator recently. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. He's made he's made quite a few films lately which rank among his better films but nothing that's quite at his apex
Okay, a couple I think are not going to make the top three, but I do think they're very interesting directors that are worth discussing. Park Chan-wook. If this was just after Old Boy, we'd probably put him on the podium, but you haven't loved other stuff of his that you've seen, have you? Yeah. Uh, again, the same way I'm not as familiar with this director as I am with the others, so I don't feel like it's fair for me to pass that much of a comment. You know, I've only seen, like, two of his films. Yeah. Um, so it's, I feel like it's unfair for me to say he's one of my top directors, but also to write him off as one not one of my yeah, top directors. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, t- to be fair, we did we did say at the outset that we can only we can only make a list of film directors where we've where, where we're familiar enough with their body of work. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Park Chan Wook for me, right? If I was gonna if I was gonna fight and make the case for him to make the top three, I think it might be a different thing. But I would say at his best, he's made some films I absolutely love. He's a bit He's a little bit art house, and I don't mean that as a criticism. But he, he kind of goes and makes, he goes off and makes the film he wants to make, and at times those are brilliant. At times they are films I'm less keen on. He's a very, very, very interesting director. He's he's he came. I I, I wrote him down because he's when I think about the films of his that I've seen, I'm always very interested in him as a filmmaker. I don't think he quite makes the top of the list. Yeah. And then the other one is Bong Joon Ho. Again, I've only seen um, Parasite, so I can't pass that much. Well, fair. If you've not, yeah, if you've not seen the other, have you, did you see Okja? That's all over Netflix about the giant pig. No, no, that's really good. So again, that's like it'd be like me being asked to put Jordan Peele in my top directors after Get Out. I'd be like, wow, I really enjoyed that film, but again, they've made one film that I've seen, so mm. I don't think I'm in the right position to pass yeah. comment on, so, on, on yeah. my top directors. Yeah, so again, I think it's probably, uh, you know, there's there's a great film of his which is on our list of, you know, on our classics that we need to watch one of these days, Memories of Murder, which comes highly, highly recommended. He made The Host, which is an absolutely killer kind of disaster horror sci-fi movie. Um, he made Snowpiercer, which is fucking terrific. And he's made Okja and Parasite. And what I like about him is that he makes... Something like Parasite, which is a Korean film, you know, which I don't think he was, I don't think he, he he set a huge priority on making that an international movie. And some Korean directors will say this film is, you know, I, I'm as interested in the international success of this as I am in the domestic. And the Koreans are pretty good at that. Um, this was, I think, him specifically making a film about stuff in Korea that concerns him. But then he makes something like Okja for Netflix or Snowpiercer, which even though he was given a really rough time on Snowpiercer, he comes out of the other side of it with, by the way, this is very good, isn't it? You know, in, in his second language, which just puts him a little bit ahead of Park Chan-wook for me because he's come out, Park Chan-wook's made a, one film uh, in, in English, but, you know, Bong uh, has, has gone out and made very entertaining films, you know, in a, in a language that's not his own and in a film industry that's not his own. I don't think he, he's quite in the top three for me um and i think if we've got to agree on him he's not there but i do bloody like him and snowpiercer is fucking wonderful um who else have we got here inaritu alessandro inaritu so i love birdman and i enjoyed the revenant um but i've not seen many of his other films so again these are directors that don't really make films that often and have only kind of 
exploded into popularity within the last eight years and again i've only seen a couple of their films yeah he made a film last year that completely flopped uh since 2010 he's only made three films birdman and the revenant and this latest film bardo which didn't go down very well um babel amoris peros's debut film is fucking tremendous uh back in 2000 i'm less impressed by babel which is a bit of a kind of middle brow you know, fill it full of actors, you know, a little bit more, it's a little bit pompous. Uh, Birdman is great. The Revenant is, um, I thought The Revenant was really, really good, but it did feel like the whole thing was a delivery system for Leonardo DiCaprio's overdue Oscar. Um, even though there was some amazing, yeah. cin- amazing cinematography in it. He doesn't quite make it for me, but I think he's won, he's won an Oscar for nah. best director, so he couldn't not at least mention him. Um, here's an interesting one. Interesting as well because he's made quite you know a variety of films. Alfonso Cuarón. I've not really been interested in his films since he made Gravity. I wasn't. I didn't really give a shit about what was it Roma that he made. Hmm. Didn't didn't fancy that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean Roma was one of those films where I waited for the reviews because it's like. I, I, look, I don't want to diminish kind of dramas about the lives of ordinary people. It's just there are so many dra- dramas about the lives of ordinary people where you go, well, that was fucking dreary. Do you know what I mean? And it, you know, I, I basically waited for reviews about whether it worked as a movie um, and just haven't got around to seeing it. On the other hand, right, list some of the other films that he's made just to kind of... Itumama Tambien, fucking genius film. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. I know that's a long time ago, but it is easily the best Harry Potter film. Children of Men, Gravity. That's There's some f- immense films on that list. Maybe it's the fact that he's only really made one film in the last 10 years. Maybe he's not quite he's not quite there. And he did do Great Expectations with Gwyneth Paltrow in it, which is a, a genuine blot against his record. Yeah, no, um, I, I wouldn't put him up there because... As much as I love Gravity and uh, films like that, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm not interested. W- worth mentioning just because of some of the work he's done at his best has been absolutely. I mean, Children of Men is a <laughs> fucking incredible film, by the way. But anyway, I agree. I don't think he quite makes the top three. I'm mentioning another name, uh, and I'm pretty sure he's not going to not someone you support for the top three. But I think he, I th- he's a really quite interesting director, Guillermo del Toro. Not for me, no. I think he's an interesting director because he makes a, a variety of films. He makes commercial type films and he makes, um, you know, films in his own language. Uh, he's he's awards, he's, he gets awards recognition, but he also gets mainstream recognition. I do like that about him. And there are a number of films I really do like. Some of this is an emotional gut feel and I, I, I can't quite, I like Guillermo del Toro, but I can't, Quite apart from maybe Pan's Labyrinth and uh, and I did really like Nightmare Alley, but on the whole, I don't find myself. I don't quite get that feeling in my gut about his films that makes me go, "Oh, I fucking love that." Do you know? Do, I, I don't know if I'm making sense, but I just don't quite. There are people who do get that feeling about his films. Mark Homo loves him. There are a lot of fans of his films who just go, "Oh, that's amazing." He doesn't quite get me in the gut as good as as good as his films often are. So I'm not quite. 
putting him on putting him on there. But I did want to mention him because he is a really good and interesting director. But he's not on my list. No, I wouldn't put. I'm, I don't get enthralled by his films at all. Yeah. I've never rated him. There you go. Okay, Lynn Ramsey. Don't know anything about about her. Um, I mean, you you you've only seen a couple of her films anyway, right? And she's only made four. <laughs> so I I the, yeah. personally, I, I just don't think she's got enough of a body of work to make the top three here. I think she's worth a mention because you know. Uh, uh, you Were Never Really Here is one of the best films of the past kind of five to ten years. I just don't think she makes enough movies to have a body of work where you'd say, yeah, Lynn Ramsey. Um, she does what she does the way she wants to do it. She's got a movie coming out soon. I will go and see it. Um, I just don't think four films in 20-odd 20, 20 years is enough. This is why, why James Cameron didn't even make the long list. Yeah, I was just... Not, yeah. I've seen. We need to talk about Kevin, and most of you are never really here. And meh. Yeah, well, so, she, yeah, it's got to be both of us, and neither of us. You know, I'm not pushing for it to be on the top three, and you don't want it to be on the top three, so that doesn't make it. Here's an interesting one. Ryan Coogler. Um, no, obviously, Black Panther was great. Black Panther two was shit. Um, uh, I find I'm I'm sorry you're now thinking do I really care about Ryan Coogler's next film not really Um, I've enjoyed films that he's made Mm. you know like I've I enjoyed Creed I thought Creed was great Black Panther was great but Behind the Wolf of Canada Forever was rubbish Fruitvale Station I've not seen he's a young guy and could still absolutely blow us out of the park with his next film if he kind of gets away from Marvel. Do you know what I mean? I hope there's not a Black Panther 3 where he's just kind of forced to make a third Black Panther film. Do you know what I mean? I want him to just get away from Marvel and just start doing his own thing. You know, the same way I want Taika Waititi to get away from Marvel. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think, yeah, and Taika Waititi didn't really make it into our conversation despite the fact that he's made some films that we really like. Yeah, I mean, I I put Ryan Coogler in the same bracket as, as... Barry Jenkins. Um, these are young directors who have very much got my attention. I want to see what they do next. Um, they probably haven't done enough yet to be in the conversation. But if so, you know, you know, maybe we are doing. Maybe we're still doing this podcast. Maybe we're the Joe Rogans of, of film podcasts in ten years' time. And in ten years' time, we might be talking about you know other directors in a new way because they've you know. Added to their filmography, I don't. I don't think Google has done enough. I think if you're looking, no, I, I, don't think so I like. I like what he's done with mainstream cinema. He's obviously come from an, an, you know an independent like background with a high reputation, like someone like Doug Lyman, and I like that. I like someone who starts out in independent films and brings uh, a, 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 a good sensibility to mainstream films. But I think we've already got someone on on this list of people who who've, who've, who he's probably done more. With with his, with mainstream opportunities, and that's Matt Reeves. So I like Ryan Coogler, but he's young, and he's you know we'll we'll see about him. Last name, yeah, I think he's just got a ways to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last name on the list, Jordan Peele. I think this is going to be similar. I I don't think Jordan Peele's filmography has enough on it for us to to draw a conclusion about him yet. 
especially given that his best film by far is his first film, and we're kind of waiting to see how it all pans out. I loved, I loved a lot of things about us, but it doesn't altogether work. I love the fact that he did get out and went on to try and do something, you know, even more ambitious than that. And he's got so many ideas that he was attempting with 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 us, and that's really interesting. A lot of it just flat out doesn't work, and I I I, I don't want. I, I don't want film directors to be put off by ambitious films not working. I, I'd like them to carry on going and being ambitious because, you know, maybe the next ambitious film he does will fucking nail it the way Get Out did. And Nope is a, 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 a perfectly fun and well-made and enjoyable and suspenseful piece of summer entertainment. I really like Nope, but those three films don't add up to a, a full filmography yet. And it's wait and see with him. There's no criticism. He's literally started his film career like in the past like six years. And he's made three films. He's made a splash. He's got my attention. I don't think he's quite done enough yet. I would add him to the list if you if you disagree, but I don't think he's quite done enough yet. Yeah, I would agree. I think we've just kind of got to let them establish themselves. I think the advantage that Nolan and Tarantino have is that we can, you know, look back on what they've made and be excited for what they're going to make next. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, that's our, our, our sort of trawl through the shortlist. Um, where we've got to, yeah, is that several names are we looked at and said, yeah, they deserve to be on the top three. They, they, they would be worthy of entry on the top three. Um, like Catherine Bigelow, Matt Reeves, Paul Thomas Anderson, Ridley Scott. But three names completely jumped out where we were both unanimous that they should be on the top three. Steve McQueen, Christopher Nolan, Quentin Tarantino. Now, our podcast, our rules, we could add another name to that shortlist from those people that, you know, Bigelow, Reeves... Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, Ridley Scott, but at the moment th- those three were kind of definitely on the shortlist. Where the others were like, yeah, they could be on the shortlist. Uh, any of, any of those names? Would you would you would you want to r- increase the size of the podium to four and add Bigelow, Reeves, Ridley Scott? No, I would I would keep it at three and so that's torn between Reeves and Ridley Scott personally, but after Tarantino and Nolan. Yeah, so we've got Steve McQueen, Quentin Tarantino, Steve McQueen, Quentin Tarantino, Christopher Nolan, and then we're sort of humming and hawing about whether Matt Reeves or Ridley Scott should be up in the conversation as well. Yeah. Um, That's from me. I would probably go, just because I know Ridley Scott's next film is going to be Napoleon and I've enjoyed his past few films, I would probably lean towards Ridley Scott more. Yeah, Matt Matt Reeves but maybe has Matt been, Reeves is Matt Reeves has maybe got a bit more more to prove yet. Um, yeah, I just I think you know Matt Reeves is Matt Reeves is probably going to make another Batman film. Does that include Joaquin Phoenix's Joker? All of this depends on whether Joaquin Phoenix is involved in Matt Reeves's next film or Ridley Scott's film. You know, <laughs> didn't Barry Keoghan actually play the Joker at the end of of the Batman? If they're going to do the Joker, it's probably him playing him. They did do that, and then all sorts of speculation about, oh, Matt Reeves would be open to working with uh, Todd Phillips's... Oh, no, Todd Phillips would be open to working with Matt Reeves' Batman. 
and things like that. So yeah, I don't. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, look, no, I think most most film directors would would think very seriously about an opportunity to work with uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, right? Because he's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have to wait and see. It's, it sounds like Robert Pattinson's Batman is going to be almost like a, uh, a a separate timeline to everything else that James Gunn's doing with the DCEU. So I'm probably better for it because what James Gunn does with the rest of DC might might turn out brilliantly. But I think Matt Reeves is probably better off just plowing his own furrow. Do you know what I mean? But we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I, I think Matt Reeves. He's another one. I think he's alongside someone like Denny Villeneuve. Where we go. Let's see. Let's see where where the, the rest of the film career takes them. So shall we? Shall we make it a podium of four and add Ridley Scott to it? Yeah. Why don't we do that then? Okay. So, which of those people has made the best film in the past ten years? past 10 years out of I, 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 I tell you what I tell you what let's say counting the films they've made from 2010 onwards who's made the best film Nolan's got well, Inception no, Nolan's got Inception Nolan. Nolan's got Inception or Interstellar on that list Steve McQueen's got 12 Years a Slave Quentin Tarantino's got Django Unchained or The Hateful Eight or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Ridley Scott's got The Martian maybe or The Last Duel probably his best two films I think that one's a bit unfair on Ridley Scott. And I think the films that we've just listed are, you know, different for totally different, are good for different reasons, sorry. Mm-hmm. So the... I mean, in relatively the recent memory... 12 Years of Slave is the... Sorry, go ahead, mate. 12 Years of Slave is like the most important film on that list. Mm-hmm. Inception's my favourite film on that list, but I also love Django Unchained. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all up to, you know personal preference and what kind of importance you want to highlight there yeah so i mean i mean the thing is these things do tend to be kind of like body of work focused don't they we all say you know because it's it's not the it, we're not talking about our best films uh, our favorite films of the past 20 years and notice that a lot of them are done by the same director what we're what we're saying is uh if we take if we take Ridley Scott since the year 2000, yeah? I know we're going back a little bit. Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, Kingdom of Heaven, which in its director's cut is absolutely superb. American Gangster, The Body of Lies is decent. The Martian, The Last Duel, House of Gucci. He's got some pretty pretty strong stuff in there. And if you go back to his early stuff, Gladiator, earlier stuff, Gladiator and Black Hawk Down are absolutely tremendous. But... The, the strength of someone like Tarantino is he's made, you know, in the same period, a bunch of films you absolutely love, like Inglorious, Django, um, you know, Hateful Eight, I don't think it's as strong as, as those, but he's made a strong body. Are we... Are we, dis, are we discounting Steve McQueen because while he's just not made as many of the films we love as the other, as the other people on this list have? Or do we actually say 12 Years a Slave is such a fucking pinnacle of filmmaking? 12 Years a Slave is uh, such a pinnacle of filmmaking. I think it's just such an important film that needed to be made. And 
Um, see, straight I up. I think she, I'm going to have to. You see, straight up for me, it's not just the importance of 12 Years a Slave. You, we, we've watched this a number of times. I think I've watched it three times on the big screen. I've watched it a couple of times on the small screen since. And it's full that the, 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 the absolute command of filmmaking that Steve McQueen displays on that, the rotting cotton on the, uh, on the trees, the, um, uh, the, the, the dying river. sycamores, you know, yeah, and the dying willows the, and all that. Yeah, kind of the, yeah. The, just the way in which he films Chiwetel Ejiofor's face. The he's just it's there's been there's been plenty of films like Amistad or other things that show you that slavery was really bad and that racism was really bad and give you an eye of that. But the the everything from the dialogue that the actors say to each other to the way in which the just the tone the perfect tone when they're singing that negro spiritual and and Chiwetelogifor reluctantly joins in and eventually starts really singing his heart out because because you've got to do something to get yourself through it the tone of that is so somber it's not oh isn't it beautiful when the poor slaves sing a song it's not beautiful it's fucking sad right do you know what i mean he just, he just, the total, and, and um, the Peter Nyong'o's performance, that everything is just so well done in that film. He, the job he does of that movie, is as good, I think, as the job Ridley Scott did on Blade Runner. If you want to say when a director is absolutely fucking, you know, you would mark them ten out of ten for every single thing they did on the film. Do you know what I mean? So that's, I think that's the argument for Steve McQueen because in, you know, in relatively recent memory, he has done things just so amazingly well. It, it, it becomes an even bigger joke that he didn't, he didn't win Best Director that year because I just don't think very few people have ever directed a film. It's not just what a good and important film it is. It's an incredibly well-directed film. Do you know what I mean? And I think that gets lost in the importance of the story. Um, yeah. I don't know, that's a very hard decision to make there. I think we should just have a top four in no particular order. Are you, are you, are you happy with that? Yeah. Yeah, so, I don't think it's fair to kind of... Because Inception's brilliant because you don't really remember the performances, you just remember how amazing the story and the ending is. Oh yeah, it's breathtaking. You know what I mean? Absolutely breathtaking. So, and Django Unchained is amazing because of all the performances and the writing. So they're all great for different things and I don't think it's actually right or fair to compare them. If it was... If it was Django Unchained had been made by the same four directors, you know what I mean? Well, then obviously we're picking Tarantino, but, you know, yeah. it's just because they're, they're all totally different directors. They'll bring such different, different things. things to the screen. Yeah, Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. I mean, obviously my favourite Quentin Tarantino film is Jackie Brown, but the films that Tarantino has been making since that mid-career dip, everything from Inglorious onwards, his films are all full of the things I absolutely love about him, you know? Um, totally. And the... the, the once upon a time in Hollywood, I, I remember because we talked about once a time, once upon a time in Hollywood, kind of straight after because we went to see it at the cinema together and we talked about it straight afterwards. And I think we were both pretty much agreed that we liked it, but we, we, I don't think either of us thought we would look back on it as among his best. I thought I'm not even sure I'm going to want to see that film again. And then I got it for Christmas on Blu-ray because you know the wife goes, well, he likes films. Tarantino's got a new film out. I'll buy him that on Blu-ray. Safe bet, right? And I watched it again, and I went, God, this is really fucking good. And it's the kind of film where I go, you know what? Sometimes you would watch that film for the story of of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's arc. Sometimes you'd watch it for Brad Pitt's arc. 
sometimes you would watch it for the the kind of headline the what if things turned out differently for Sharon Tate and Margot Robbie's kind of lovely bright performance and sometimes you'd watch it and just go I just want to sit in that car with Brad Pitt and drive around 1960s Hollywood with it do you know what I mean that film gives you so many things it's it's not it's a film where you, where it's got a world you want to inhabit you know or at least for a few hours you want to inhabit so yeah I'm 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 with you um it's very difficult to pick one. So we're picking a podium of the four best directors working today of Steve McQueen, Christopher Nolan, Quentin Tarantino and Ridley Scott. That's our four. Yeah? Are we happy with that? Yeah, I'm happy with that. Okay, well, look, thank you very much for listening, uh, audience. You've, you've provided already some, you know, some thoughts about who you think your best directors, but best directors are your favourite directors at the moment. I would love to hear what you think of the way our discussion has panned out and how we've arrived at these four. Um, I'm obviously very pleased that some of my personal favourites have made it to the list. Um, and I think you're right, James. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you held your ground and decided we wouldn't pick one because they're, you know, they, they're, they're too varied in what they do. So I think that was the right thing in the end. That's all for this month's episode of Double Reel. Thanks for listening and for making it all the way to the end. Thanks also to my co-host James Adamson. The podcast was edited in Audacity and hosted on Anchor FM. We are grateful for their continued support. The music was Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod. Outside of Double Reel, you can find us both hosting a non-film related podcast, The Adamson's Versus. Our latest episode, The Adamson's Versus The Sex Trafficking Internet Personality, is out now. So this is me, James Adamson, signing off, and... This is me, James Adamson, signing off. Our next episode will be our regular episode 35 next month. Keep an eye out for any special episodes we decide to do in future. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and tell your friends. Until next time, stay safe, watch lots of films, and may your life be as awesome as you pretend it is on social media. And someone please fucking put Matt Hancock in jail. <laughs> uh, I agree.